Well, it is great to see so many of you here on our campus. I want to welcome everybody joining us online as well. I've been looking forward to this day uh, for quite some time. Excited to kick off this new teaching series called Weathering Life Storms. And listen, if you're walking through a storm, let me tell you up top, it's going to be okay. But sometimes when you're walking through the storm, um, it can be a little challenging. And our hope is that over the next month or so, as we look into God's Word, that regardless of whatever storm we're facing, uh, we can be encouraged. Let me tell you about uh, some encounters with storms. Now, if you live here in central Alabama, uh, you don't have to know this. Now, maybe you're joining us online. You live somewhere else. Let me tell you a little bit about living in central Alabama. We face storms, okay? They come through all the time. And uh, most recently, a couple weeks ago, we had some storms come through. Um, thankfully, some of our folks here at Vaughn Forest actually went out and did a whole lot of work in the community. And uh, we're super grateful for that. And so we were fortunate here and we were fortunate in our home, like we didn't get hit in any significant way. But two weeks ago, um, I woke up on a Sunday morning and our house was freezing. And I didn't know why our house was freezing. I went over to the thermostat and I'm like, wait a second, like there, there's nothing showing on the thermostat. And then I realized we don't have any power. And what I found out later is that our power had actually been out for about four or five hours. I didn't know it. A storm had come through that night. I sleep like a rock. So like I hadn't woken up. I didn't know the storm had happened, but now we don't have any power. So I'm up early and I start lighting candles and kind of all the things to make sure that when Morgan and the boys and Evergreen, our mini golden doodle, wake up that nobody's going to trip and harm themselves in our home. And then eventually, several hours later, the electricity came back on. Power company did an awesome job. And I'm like, cool. I, I literally didn't really think anything about it anymore until I left to come to church that morning. And when I got to the end of my driveway, I was like, what is that? And, and it was a power line. And it was almost, I looked like I was going to hit it. Thankfully, it was high enough for me to get under it, but it certainly wasn't where it was supposed to be. And so I immediately looked to my left and right over over our kind of uh, border between my property and my neighbor's property, I saw that this had happened, that this gigantic tree had fallen, okay? And this tree had taken out this power line, which is why it was coming across my yard and I kind of had the, you know, duck under it while I was driving my truck. And it's kind of hard to see from this picture, but this tree is gigantic. The power company came out and they kind of cut a little section here and they were able to get the power line back up. So props to them, good job. But um, this tree was evidence that a storm had actually shown up and done some damage. Now, I'm gonna come back to that tree over and over in our message today, because I think it serves as a really good visual aid for the point that we're gonna try to make, not just today, but throughout this series. So if you have a Bible, I want you to go to Matthew chapter seven. Now, if you don't have a Bible, we're gonna put all the verses up here on the screen for you. And what I wanna do today is I wanna talk about not just storms, but how sometimes storms can actually serve as a blessing. Now, that's not how we look at storms. Storms are things that we want to avoid. Storms aren't welcomed. We, we, we don't celebrate storms that come into our lives. But sometimes God has a purpose in the storm. And sometimes there can be a blessing in the storm. And we're going to look at a passage here where Jesus is going to teach us in just a moment where I think we can begin to see how we get to this blessing. But let me set this passage up for you. Matthew chapter 7, if you're new to the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, first four books of the New Testament, four Gospels, and Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is actually one sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, 
And uh, we are actually today going to be looking at the very end of this sermon that lasts for three chapters. But I'm excited this spring, we're going to do an entire teaching series on the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I know all of you already know when April is, but I'm a preacher. I mean, when April is, when Easter is, it's in April. As a preacher, I already know this, April 9th. So make sure you pull out your calendars and put Easter on your calendar. Now, I'm telling you this because the Sunday after Easter, we're going to kick off a series on the Sermon on the Mount and that take us through the rest of the spring. So I'm really excited about that. We're going to unpack all three chapters. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. But for today, like I said, we're just looking at the end of this passage. And at the end of this sermon, end of this passage, Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 29, Jesus is going to give us incredible imagery of what it looks like to face a storm and what storms actually begin to reveal to us about what's really happening in our lives. So again, if you have a Bible, Matthew 7, if you don't, we'll read the verses up here for you, starting in verse 24. This is Jesus talking. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. It didn't fall. Why? It had been founded on the rock. Verse 25, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And then Jesus is gonna say the same thing happens. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, they slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Now, why were they amazed? He was teaching them as one having authority and not as their Scribe. So if you're here on our campus, there's some message notes inside your bulletin. Let me ask you to get those out, and we're going to jot down a few things today. If you're joining us online, you can access the notes at vaughnforest.com or through your Vaughn Forest Church app. And if you're new, if you're a guest, welcome. We're honored you're here. We take notes because when you jot things down, it actually helps you remember them, and that makes it more likely that we will put it into practice. And we don't think that God just gave us the Bible for information. We think God gave us the Bible for transformation, that as we put God's into practice, that's how our lives actually get changed to become more like Jesus. And so we're going to look at this story. We're going to kind of let it guide our time together today. But if you're taking notes, first of all, I want to hit on three truths about storms that I think we can see from just the way that Jesus kind of describes this with the house on the rock and the house in the sand. So if you're taking notes, let me give you the first truth about storms. They're inevitable. It's not a question of if a storm will arrive in your life. It's just a question of when. They are inevitable. Storms carry with them the feeling that it is a new reality. That's one of the things we're gonna talk about in this series is storms are just storms. They will eventually pass. But rest assured, if you're in the middle of a storm, it can feel like a new reality and it can feel like there's no hope. It can feel like there's no way out. But storms happen for everybody. It's not a question of if, it's not a question of when. And you may be here today and you're walking through a storm. It might be a storm in your marriage. It might be a storm with your kids. It might be a storm with your finances. Storms can be in a number of different areas. Maybe things are going really well for you right now. You're like, man, I, I just see nothing but sunshine. I don't have any storms. Get ready, okay? Eventually, it's gonna happen. Storms hit everybody. Here's the second thing about storms we can see from this passage. They're not selective. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, Jesus said that the storm came to someone who was wise and the storm came to someone who was unwise. Two houses, same storm, different results. So when storms show up, they don't pick and choose. There's no amount of money you can earn in your life to purchase your way out of bad circumstances, to purchase your way 
at, from avoiding life storms. We, we try to protect our kids as much as we can. Or we have three boys, 13, 11, and seven. I wish I could come up with a way to parent my boys where they wouldn't have to face life storms. Can I tell you, it just can't happen. Storms aren't selective. Storms show up on everybody, wise and unwise, rich and poor, everywhere. You, you can move to a new place, a storm will track you down, okay? They're not selective. So let me take you back to this picture because I think that it illustrates really well this point. So earlier when I showed you this tree that fell, I don't know if you noticed this, but really the point of this picture isn't just the tree that's laying on the ground, it's also this tree right here that's standing. So what's really interesting about this is if you were to walk over here, you would see that where this tree fell from is actually about right here. And this tree, when it was standing, was actually about the exact same size as the tree that you see is still standing. So it's really interesting to me that two trees that were about the same size that were literally located on the same piece of property, one of them fell down and the other one is still standing. Why is that? Well, because on the surface, they looked like they were the exact same, but they really weren't. Why? Because there was something that was going on beneath the surface. And so the storm didn't pick and choose which tree it was gonna hit. The storm hit both trees, but one of them fell and the other one didn't. Why is that? Well, it's actually the third truth about storms that I think we see from this story is that storms are revealing. A storm always reveals what's beneath the surface. It was true in what we just read. Jesus says, hey, two houses. It wasn't until the storm showed up that you could tell that one of them had been built on the firm foundation of the rock. The other one built on a, firm, a foundation that wasn't firm at all, sand. True for the property next door to my house. Two trees standing side by side. They look the exact same, but beneath the surface, not the same at all. The storm revealed that one of them had a strong foundation, the other one did not, and that's why it fell. And it's hard to appreciate just how big these trees are and how revealing this storm was. And so I had Henry, my helper, help me out. Henry's my first grader. And I said, Henry, go stand by that tree where the power, where the power company cut it. And let's see if we can see how wide this tree really is. And so he went and he stood beside it. And uh, Henry's pretty tall for his age as a first grader. And so he's just standing there and he's put his arms straight out. And so the circumference of this tree is about that high. And if you were to walk over and look at that tree, you would say, there's no way that's a strong tree. That's a really thick circumference of a tree. I mean, if we count the rings, we'll be here all day. We'll find out how old this tree is, right? And so the storm is revealing that the tree actually isn't as strong as we think that it is. And isn't that true what storms do in our life? Now, what's the point of all this, okay? What's the point of storms? What's the point of Jesus talking about storms? What's the point of us taking some time to talk about this today? The point is that storms and the point of this message, the point of this passage is we can apply it in multiple areas of our life. And we're gonna do that in this series. We're gonna talk about how in different areas of our life, oftentimes what's going on beneath the surface is what we really need to get to. And sometimes when you face a storm, the storm is what reveals it. The storm reveals, wait a second, I built that on the wrong foundation. It might be in your career. Hey, nothing wrong with being ambitious. Hey, nothing wrong with wanting to achieve great things. But if we're not careful, sometimes maybe we've built those pursuits on the wrong foundation and a storm in our career can begin to reveal that. Wait a second, this is built on shaky sand. I mean, it might be in your marriage. 
Maybe a storm in your marriage reveals we didn't build our marriage on a biblical foundation, and it took this storm to help point that out. It could be true for parenting. It could be true for our physical health. It could be true for something with our extended family. And that's the great thing about God's Word, is that once we see what it's teaching us, we can then accurately apply that into multiple areas of our life. And like I said, we're going to do that in this series. So I want to encourage you up top to be here during this series. I want you to be back on Sundays. I want you to see what God has to say to you about how to apply this in different areas of your life. And if you can't be here with us on campus, I want to encourage you to join us online. But when Jesus spoke these words that day, he had a very specific point in mind. So we can apply it to multiple areas. But the passage we just read started with a really important word. And that word was, therefore. And anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, here's the question to ask. What is that therefore, therefore? And it's there to refer you back to something that's just been said. So Jesus says, therefore, and then he makes a really important statement. So let's kind of review, and we're going to review it in a way where we kind of compare and contrast. In the passage that we read, Jesus said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them is like what? It's like somebody who built their house on a rock. Winds came, rains fell, winds blew, but the house still stood. And Jesus says, and then there's some people, they're gonna hear these words of mine and they're not going to act on them. And let me tell you what those folks are like. They're like people who would build their house on sand. And when the same storms would come, the house would fall with a great fall. See, the point of this story actually isn't the house on the rock and the house in the sand. That's a visual aid. It'd be like Jesus rolling out a PowerPoint presentation and going, look, this is what I'm trying to show y'all. But he visually, he verbally described it. Everybody's like, oh yeah, I could see that in my mind. That makes complete sense. He's illustrating a point. Therefore, hey, if you heard what I just said and you do something about it, man, you are wise. If you heard what I just said and you blow it off, you ignore it, you act like it doesn't apply to you. You are just as foolish as somebody who builds your house on the sand, which begs the question, what did Jesus just say? In order for us to fully understand the weight and the point that he was making that day, we've got to back it up a few verses. So I started in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Let's back it up to verses 21, 22, and 23 to see the point of what Jesus is really saying that day. Starting in verse 21. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This is a weighty passage. This is a heavy teaching. And when Jesus gave this teaching that day, he wanted to reinforce it with something that we visually would understand. So what's the point? Jesus is saying, hey, if you hear what I just said, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is gonna spend all of eternity with me. There's gonna be some people who thought they knew me and I'm gonna look at them and say, depart from me. I never knew you. Here's what Jesus is saying. If you hear these words and you do something about that, you're really wise. You will reveal the foundation that you've built your life on. But if you hear these words and you ignore them and you don't think they apply to you, 
You're foolish. And ultimately, what will be revealed to you is that you built your life on the wrong foundation. And church, if there's one thing that I see that's permeated our culture, listen, not just outside the walls of the church, but inside the walls of church are people who are building their lives on the wrong foundation. And Jesus in his kindness and in his graciousness and in his goodness is giving us a warning that that not be us. So let's work our way back through this passage because I think there's three things that we can see. And as we go through these, I want you to do a little bit of heart examination. Hey, Lord, are you speaking to me today? So as we go through this, I wanna challenge you to have an open heart and to have an open mind because I believe the first thing that Jesus is saying to us in this passage, and I would encourage you to jot this down if you're taking notes, is that you can profess Christ as a quote-unquote Christian and still be lost. It happens all the time. People claiming the name of Jesus, people calling themselves a Christian, people calling themselves a believer, and actually never have experienced salvation, not have been born again. Look at how Jesus says it in the passage we just read, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, listen, they're saying the right name, Lord, Lord. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. So this verse begs the question, well, then what is the will of the Father? Well, the will of the Father was not to let sin get in the way of having a relationship with you. But see, that's what sin does because God in his perfection and God in his holiness, God can't have anything to do with sin. But God wasn't gonna let this great sin problem get in the way of having a relationship with you, which is why he sent his son Jesus into the world. And see, Jesus lived a perfect life and then Jesus paid the price. He paid the debt for sin. Now, this was a debt that you owed. This was a debt that I owed because we're the ones who are sinners. And yet Jesus lived without sin. Jesus was perfect. And that matters because only a perfect sacrifice can go to the cross. And see, then Jesus defeated death through the resurrection. And that matters because only someone who defeats death can offer you eternal life. And the will of the Father is that every person comes to a point in their life where they recognize the truth of what I just said. And they ask Jesus to come in and save them. And it is a change that occurs from the inside out. You become a new creation. It's a heart change. You're born again. And so many times, people who think they are Christians are caught up on the external of what's going on in their life. That they don't ever pause to just do a heart examination. Hey, can I challenge you to do that? See, you can pray a prayer you can walk an aisle, you can sign a card, you can get baptized, you can join a church, you could be a Sunday school leader. For Pete's sake, you could be a pastor and still be lost. Because none of those things are what saves you. The only thing that saves you is Jesus Christ and the free gift of salvation that he offers you. So what's your testimony? You say, well, I, I know I did this. I know I did that. I was raised in a Christian home. Well, Christianity is not a birthright. A relationship with Jesus isn't a birthright. It's not something that's passed down from one generation to the next. But did you ever come to a place in your life where you confessed Christ Jesus as Lord and there was a heart change, listen, that has produced fruit? I'm not talking about perfection. 
Nobody has to live the perfect Christian life because we are all incapable of living the perfect Christian life and Jesus lived the perfect Christian life in our place. Praise God. But is there fruit? Is there evidence? See, if you can claim the title Christian and there's never been any evidence of a changed life and a changed heart, I would question whether or not you've ever been born again. Jesus would question whether or not you've ever been born again. If everything about your life, from your time, your effort, your energy, your money, your calendar, your thoughts, your energy, your emotions, revolves around you, I would question whether or not you've actually professed Christ and become a follower of Jesus the way the New Testament presents it. See, so many times we create a Christianity that fits more of what we want it to be, and then we claim that title and we think all is good. And here's what Jesus would say to us today, beware, beware that you can profess my name and actually still be lost. Here's the second thing I think we see from this passage today. You can be a part of a successful ministry and still be lost. A great ministry accomplishing great things, whether it's a church or a parachurch or some other type of organization, doing a lot of really good stuff and have never experienced the heart change that comes by being born again. Look at what Jesus says about this. I think this is really interesting. Many will say to me on that day, what day are we talking about here? This is judgment day. This is judgment day. So Jesus is saying there's a whole bunch of people that when we get to judgment day, they're gonna think they were one of mine and they're gonna find out they weren't. And here's some of the things that those individuals are going to say on that day. Look at this. They're gonna say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons? And in your name, perform many miracles. Now leave this up here for a second because if you went to a church's website and this was some of the things they were highlighting that were happening in the ministry of that church, you'd be impressed. Like, wow, we go to that church, they'll prophesy, kind of tell us what's happening and you know, they can cast out demons and things that are causing oppression. And in the lobby, they perform miracles after the service. Man, God is certainly in this. These are all things that look like God is in them. These are all things that look like Jesus is at the center. And here's what Jesus is saying. I didn't have anything to do with any of that. You say, how could that be? Here's how that can be. It is very easy to use the name of Jesus to advance other agendas. To use the name of Jesus to prop up a platform. To use the name of Jesus to prop up a ministry. To use the name of Jesus to draw attention to something other than Jesus, and what's happening, unfortunately, with the individuals that Jesus is talking about in this passage is they were using the name of Jesus without pursuing the name of Jesus. They're talking about prophesying, but there's no mention of prayer. See, a relationship with Jesus is cultivated over time. It's a growing relationship, just like any relationship in your life. I mean, any good marriage will tell you, any good couple that's in a good marriage will tell you, it's, it's a continual pursuit. It's a continual growing in depth of relationship. It's no different with Jesus. And Jesus says, I want your relationship with me to grow at a heart level. And that happens through prayer. Do you know what prayer is? Prayer is just sharing with Jesus what's on your heart. Just talking with him about it and just taking it to him. But yet, there are gonna be some people that were a part of some great things that looked like they were successful, but ultimately... The individuals that were participating in this had never experienced salvation at a heart level. And unfortunately, on that day, they're going to hear those words from Jesus. Hey, I never knew you. I never knew you as one of my own. So what do we do with this? What's well, the third thing I want you to jot down today? You can own it now or hear these words from Jesus later. Own what? What we're talking about today. 
is the Christianity that you've constructed look a little bit more like a preference of options than a cost of discipleship? Has there been a heart change? Or is it just stuff that's a little bit more about what's happening on the external? Is it just kind of like a family heritage faith that grandma went to church and mom and dad went to church and now you get to church when you can? It's a little bit more of a lifestyle culturally than a relationship you've cultivated. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, you can own that, but if you don't, these are the words you're going to hear one day. And we go back and look at the passage the way it wraps up. Jesus says, on that day, I will, declare, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And when we read those words, does that match the Jesus that you think of? So many times we try to make Jesus just, it's like he's really kind and he doesn't want to step on anybody's toes. And I can't believe Jesus would ever say anything offensive. Read the four gospels. Jesus said some things that rubbed some people the wrong way. Can I tell you right now, I don't think that's the heart behind these words that he communicated that day. I think he's doing this from kindness and from graciousness. I don't think Jesus wants this to be true for anybody, which is why he's going out of his way to give us this warning. He doesn't want this to be you. He wants you to know that you've had a heart change. He wants you to know that you've experienced salvation. He wants you to know that you have a relationship with him. He wants you to have the assurance of eternity with him. He doesn't want you to fear death. He doesn't want you to wander through this life without purpose. But he does want to make sure that you come to grips with the fact that, wait a second, this might be me. Maybe he is talking to me. And if he is talking to you today, it's one of the most kind and gracious things he could ever do, which is to give you a heads up. Hey, wait a second. You may not actually be one of mine. And I think sometimes we think, well, you know, if that were true, I'm pretty sure Jesus would let me know. I mean, you're kind of just a preacher guy and, you know, fine, you're reading the Bible and all that kind of stuff. But like, if that were really me, I'm pretty sure Jesus would let me know. But that's not how the passage reads, is it? These individuals who thought they were Christians, thought they were Christ followers, they don't find out until judgment day that they weren't. And so if you think Jesus would let you know, can I tell you, he is letting you know. Let me take you to the book of Romans that, that drives this fact home. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I am nothing but a messenger. That's all I am. There's nothing special about me. Talk to any of my friends, they'll tell you it's true, okay? I was a sinner in need of a savior just like you and Jesus saved me and he changed my life and I still mess up every single day, okay? I don't have it all together. And if you have it all together, please don't join our church. You will ruin it for the rest of us, okay? We are a broken people. But if you think Jesus is gonna give you a special word different from his word, you're being fooled. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. This is Jesus' way of telling you, hey, listen, you're not one of mine. You sense that conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's kindness. That's the goodness of God pointing out to you your need for a Savior, which is why we can say with confidence that sometimes there's the blessing 
of the storm in our life. See, the storm you're walking through right now that you think is the worst thing that's ever happened, it might be the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. Because do you know what it's revealing? You've built your life on the wrong foundation. It took a storm on my neighbor's property to show that one of those trees had a bad foundation. I'd have never, I drive by those two trees every day. I'd have never known until the storm came. And then it showed what was really going on beneath the surface. Some of you are walking through a storm right now. You're doing everything you can to get out of it and to avoid it and to numb it. And it is God ordained in your life. That God's sovereign hand has brought this into your life to reveal to you, you have built your life on the wrong foundation. And Jesus does not want to look at you one day and say, depart from me. He wants to look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into eternity with me. Hey, would you bow your head with me this morning on our campus? For some of you, this passage is for you. You're not here by accident. Jesus brought you here today so you could hear this message. You may have woken up this morning fully convinced that you were one of his. And maybe the truth of God's word and the conviction of the Holy Spirit has shown you this morning that that's just not the case. Maybe that's difficult because the people closest to you in your life, they think you're a Christ follower. And it takes humility to say, hey, beneath the surface of my life, it's not what it appears to be. I've built it on the wrong foundation. Hey, if that's you this morning, it is not the words you say, it's the condition of your heart. I hope you've heard that today. But just the best way you know how from your heart right where you're seated, could you just say to Jesus, Jesus, I need you. I've built my life on sand. I'm a sinner. But I believe that you went to the cross for my sin. And I believe you walked out of the tomb on the third day. I wanna ask you to come into my life and save me, to change my heart, to make me a new creation. I wanna be born again. Jesus, you're the only one that can do that. I wanna build my life on you. And my life is no longer my own. As long as you keep me here on this earth, Lord, I'm gonna live my life for you. Hey, if that's you, we, we, we pulled the lights down. Matt and I are the only two out here. I just wanna pray for you this week as your pastor. So no one else is looking around except for me and Matt. But if you just prayed that, would you mind just kind of slipping your hand up a little bit just so I can see it, just so I can pray for you this week, just so I can pray for you individually? Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Thank you. Maybe you're here today and you know you've built your life on the right foundation. You just lost your way. And maybe today is an opportunity to just declare what's already true. Hey, Jesus, I know you're my foundation, but my goodness, I, I keep trying to just build my life on other things. And I wanna confess that. And Lord, I may not know a lot about a lot of things, but I can walk in the assurance of knowing my life is built on you. And Lord, I just need to get back to that simple truth today. And so Jesus, as we come to you now, that is our declaration. Lord, we want our lives to be built on the foundation of you. Lord, there are so many things that compete for our heart's affection. They compete for our energy. They compete for our time. And Lord, it's just easy to, to get off track and, and begin to wonder then why we face despondency and why we feel the way that we feel. And Lord, when we just begin to examine what's going on beneath the surface of our lives, the answer becomes very true. Lord, for some of us today, it's an opportunity to just thank you for the blessing of the storm. That we were kind of just rolling along and things were going well and all of a sudden a storm popped up and up until right now, all we've seen is that is a negative thing. But God, we bless your name and we thank you now for the storm because what it has revealed is what was really going on in our heart all along. So thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your kindness to show us that and, and to not leave us to continue wandering. So Lord, as we come now to you in this time of response, may the words that we sing be true for our lives. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you're on our campus today, would you stand together as we respond in worship?